welcome into the Wizards group chat. I'm your host, Ryan Oliver, alongside my man, Chase Carroll. Chase, we got the first Wizards trade of the trade deadline season. Uh, somehow our front office got off of Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala and got some draft capital back. Um, the trade is just for if you've been under a rock, I'm sure you know about the trade if you're listening to this type of podcast. But the trade is the the Wizards received two second round picks and um, Marvin, I almost called him Marcus Bagley, Marvin Bagley, the third Isaiah Levers from the Pistons. The Pistons get back Mike Muscala and Danilo Gallinari. Chase, I'll give you the floor. What what was your instant reaction to the trade and how are you feeling about it right now? My instant reaction, and, and I have my Woj notifications on Twitter, so I saw it immediately. My my instant reaction was truthfully disbelief. I I assumed there had to be more coming out about this deal because uh, we, we've been talking at nauseum since the offseason about how awful our center rotation is, and, and that's mostly what we're talking about is Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala, and these are the two pieces we're sending away in this deal and not only are we getting Marvin Bagley, who uh, we know that he's been labeled really a bust in the NBA. And, and as far as, as that goes, he's not necessarily a, a big piece, but I think he's worth swinging on. But but really what I'm happy about is the two draft picks we're getting uh, re- really in order to take Marvin Bagley's salary off Detroit's hands. And, and I'm more than OK doing that. Uh, we're stockpiling second round picks and, and good front offices. I, I tweeted this out earlier. Um, previously, this may not have been a big deal for, for this franchise having, uh, you know, Ernie Grunfeld and then, um, obviously his, his, uh, you know, secondhand man taking over for him, both of those guys, they swung and missed on every single second round pick we, we had in the past decade, but, uh, with a competent front office, I'm more than happy to stockpile these second round picks, whether it be, uh, you know, a good front office hits on second round picks, but also we have ammunition now in the future that we can trade for veterans when, when the time is right to, you know, you know, move on from the rebuild. Um, so I'm, I'm more than ecstatic. We were able to get two second round picks, not even just one, but two second round picks for really two guys that can't play. And, and, and I thank you to Gallinari. Thank you to Mike Muscala for your contributions or, or if that's what you want to call them this season. Um, they, they really haven't, performed and they clearly weren't going to be long-term pieces here they're on the last years of their deal so the fact that we were able to get something for guys that i thought were really buyout candidates is uh, a huge a plus for for dawkins and winger uh getting anything for these guys is a, a big bonus and and truthfully a big surprise to me uh i i did not anticipate being able to to get anything for those guys and and there's still so much time left in this trade deadline period that I, I really think we're going to be making bigger moves than this, but uh, you know, good teams make moves like this on the margins. And, and I love the direction that this front office has taken with a move like this. Yeah. It's interesting. We talked on this podcast uh, numerous times about how Gallo and Muscala probably had no trade value. And I, again, to your point, the value really probably isn't in those two players is really about getting off of Marvin Bagley's salary. He has two years uh, remaining on his salary so if you include this one um or is it after this one does he have two years so, uh, i believe after this year he has just that one one year left on his deal 12.5 okay. million i believe so 
I want to say that I I think that that's correct. Um, And so it's, it's, it's clearing off the, the books for next year for, for the Pistons so they can be really active in the off season and, or maybe at the trade deadline. I think I read they have six, they would have $64 million in projected cap space, or they could have up to that amount um, this summer. So it makes sense in that regard, get off Bagley, who honestly has been a bit underwhelming for them. He was obviously underwhelming as a former top three pick. In general, but I think in in my reaction to his fit on this roster is I actually think he it's a talent upgrade in terms of uh, getting a guy that's a young big that actually can play both the four and the five. Obviously, I would prefer him to play the five, but he can he can play both positions. He's not going to kill you if he's playing the four. Uh, the four. He has um some good athleticism, and he's a guy that's a, a perfect. For this, for our team, he's a perfect twenty-minute per game off the off the bench, big that can spot start if needed. But and he's not going to kill you. Like if when you have Muscala spot starting, it just kills you. Like you can't even be competent on defense. And not that Bagley's much better on defense, but he's a to me, he's at least a rotation caliber NBA player. And Muscala is at best a probably like a twelfth man, um, in my opinion. And I think that Bagley has proven to be a bit more competent than that. I believe he's averaging around 10 points, five rebounds, not really much of a passer. I think only one assist, not much of a floor spacer, but as terms of an energizer big, I think that, that, you know, it, it's a perfectly fine guy to have on the roster, uh, $12 million for a team. That's not going to be active on the, uh, on, you know, kind of in the free agency market, you know, we're not trying to use our cap space to be good anytime soon. I feel like it's a great, it's just a, it's a great, trade it makes a lot of sense to uh for a bit of clarification the second round picks according to Woj are at 2025 and 2026 second round picks uh we obviously don't know all the protections and where exactly the picks are coming from you never know what these second round picks are they like literally Detroit second round picks are they picks that they've gotten from other teams all those details haven't fully come out yet um but from the early things i've read it seems like one of the picks is like pretty a pretty good second rounder and then the other one's like not as good of a second rounder just from what it seemed like the reporting is but it, there were no hard details that i could find on um on the exact uh protections and things like that um chase i want to get your opinion on isaiah livers he's probably the in terms of young prospects he's probably the the prospect in this uh, I'll get my feelings about Isaiah Livers out first. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan from what I've seen this season. I know that he's shown better flashes um, in the past couple years. He was a 2021 second round draft pick, uh, 42nd overall by the Pistons. Um, and I feel like this season when I've watched, he hasn't looked like an NBA caliber rotation player to me. And that's not to immediately like trash the young player that we're getting, but I'm just going to be honest and objective about it. When, when I watched a lot of Pistons this year and to me, he's been, if not the weakest guy in their rotation, I mean, he's been right up there with maybe Kevin Knox and Killian Hayes. I, I mean, I hate to beat those guys up too, but like he's been, he hasn't, to me been impactful when he's on the floor uh floor spacing is what he's kind of known for you know for providing either playing the three or the four uh and he started off his career in the 40s and it's kind of gone down every year since and he's now shooting in the 20s so that's just he just hasn't had that good of a year in that regard 
I think that this is the type of young guy that in a change of scenery, maybe he can uh, kind of get back to some of the uh, early good flashes that he showed of being able to space the floor, play some solid defense. I don't think that he projects to be any more than a eighth or ninth man, but uh, cheap guys on or uh, young guys on cheap contracts is what the Wizards should be trying to get. And these are the type of guys you take flyers on. So I think this is a good job by winger and Dawkins to get this type of guy into the program and let's see what he can do Uh, I'm not by any means trying to say that he's no good at basketball but strictly from what I've seen this season I've been underwhelmed by Isaiah Livers and I if you if you ever go on Pistons Reddit after (laughs) Pistons games this season he was one of the main people that the diehard fans that are on those type of Reddits were like really upset with Monty Williams for playing so Take that for what you will. I really want Isaiah Livers to be like a diamond in the rough. So I I hope that that is the case. But I just kind of wanted to lay that out there that I'm not the biggest fan of what I've seen from Isaiah Livers so far. But I really do hope that he could be maybe maybe a little gem that the front office can can kind of, you know, kind of, you know, rehab a little bit and turn into a good player or maybe an asset to flip down the road. Uh, What are your thoughts on on Livers, Chase? Yeah, for for me, the trade and it's all about the picks for me, really. Um, we see Isaiah Livers, and, and he's actually already 25 years old. He is actually older than Marvin Bagley. So if we're looking at uh, potential prospects that we could you know, build up a little bit, I'd say even Marvin Bagley has more potential in that area. We, we do know Marvin Bagley was a top five pick drafted over Luka Doncic. So we know at one point he was viewed very highly, and, and maybe they can get something out of, out of Marvin Bagley. But – um, I think we kind of know at this point what Isaiah Livers is in the NBA. And, and uh, to, to your point, you've seen a lot more of him than I have. But uh, just looking at the numbers, it's clear that he's fallen off in the last couple of years just based on shooting percentage. He he was a pretty good shooter, it looks like, coming out his rookie year. And, and he's only fallen off since then with more playing time. So to me, um, it's it's worth a swing, clearly worth throwing him out there on the court more so than a Danilo Gallinari or a Mike Muscala. Like those guys have zero upside. So um, if you're comparing it to the guys we got out of here, absolutely. I'll take a shot on Isaiah livers and see if he can stick with a, you know, role player role here in DC. But uh, as far as, you know, am I excited about it? I wouldn't say I'm super excited to bring him in. I I do think uh, he doesn't really have a long-term role here in DC. Hopefully I'm wrong and he picks it up here at the end of the season. But to me, this was all about the draft picks. Uh, those guys are just kind of throw-ins uh, in the deal. And, and clearly Bagley was to get off the money there in Detroit. Um, so, you know, he, he did play with Jordan Poole in Michigan. So maybe some continuity with him. Um, they seem to be pretty good buddies there at Michigan. So maybe just bringing another guy in to make Jordan Poole comfortable here in DC could even be a something that we can look at here as, as a positive um, make Jordan Poole as, as comfortable as you can. He's actually picked it up here the last couple of weeks. So uh, maybe uh, Jordan Poole can, can be a player here in the next couple of seasons. I, I'm not banking on, on him being golden state pool or anything, but bringing continu- continuity around him, I think is a good thing. So um, overall worth a shot. I'm not super excited about it. I, I don't hate it. It's just uh, he's kind of thrown in there. So let's see what he can do. 25 years old. He's not you know, super old in this league. He's, he's not a Danilo Gallinari who has no business probably being on an NBA court at this point. So let's see what he can do. 
Yeah, it's interesting that he's actually older than Bagley. I, I didn't realize that. I, I I thought he was 24, but that he's 25 and older than Bagley is is, is very interesting. Uh, this only being Liver's third year. Uh, I just wanted to point out he shot 45% his rookie year, 41% his sophomore year. Now he's down to 34% this year. His three point that just that's his overall field goal percentage. His three his uh, three point percentage was forty two his rookie year, thirty six his sophomore year, and it's now down to twenty eight point uh, six. So something's going on there. Maybe it's confidence related. Um, because when I saw his name floating around in previous years, I felt like Pistons fans were actually excited about kind of him as a prospect and. This year, they kind of soured on him. And look, I mean, I think they've soured on everybody on that roster, probably in a sense, because they are losing so much. I, I kind of say that in jest, but it'll be interesting to see. I think the the point about him and, and Poole, it, you know, that's nice. There's some continuity with, you know, there with their history. And maybe that can be something that makes Poole a little bit more comfortable. Maybe that's something that makes Livers more comfortable, you know, too. And maybe he can kind of find that touch again with his shot and become a rotation player. I think that it's possible that he can be a rotation player in the NBA, but I just, from what I've seen this season, like I mentioned, he honestly didn't look like a rotation player to me from what I saw. So uh, I'm excited to have him. I welcome him in Bagley to DC. Uh, it'll be nice to see what they can do. Uh, to your point, let's touch on those picks. Uh, so the wizards obviously are kind of in this mode of, of rebuilding. I think you and I had touched on and, I mean, a lot of people have touched on it, how the plan seems to be to acquire assets on like 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 the picks, for example, while taking on contracts like the one of a Bagley, right, where it's something that has some years on it that another team deems as a negative value contract. You make them attach some assets to it, help build your stash of picks and maybe potential young players or, you know, and things of that nature. This is along those lines. Is is this exactly what you've wanted to see from the front office? And what do you think going forward over the next you know few weeks before the deadline? What do you think we could see? This is absolutely a move I wanted our front office to make. Uh, not only are those two players we're getting out of the deal, uh, really, I think hurting our on-court play this season. Um, I, I think they're kind of stunting development, really. Our, our center rotation was so weak that – I think it's it's actually stunting what some of our young guys can do on the court, really. Um, so from that perspective, we're, I think, getting better defensively. I think we're getting better rebounding immediately. Um, so if you're looking at it from just a perspective of this season, I'm I'm all on board with this this trade for now. But uh, stockpiling the second round picks, I'm, I'm all about it. I, I uh, Forgive me for forgetting who tweeted this at me, but someone said that Dawkins is the Sam Presti of second round picks. And I... I, th I thought that was hilarious. I thought, you know, that's that's a perfect uh, representation of what's going on here. We didn't have the assets that Sam Presti was able to start with. Who He was able to stockpile a ton of first-round picks. Uh, Dawkins has to work with absolutely nothing starting here. So uh, the fact that he's able to, to build up all these second-round picks from really scratch, he doesn't have really anything to work with. So the fact that he's getting not just one but two second-round picks in this deal for Danilo Gallinari, a guy who – if you look at him, if you ever saw him play in Denver and uh, OKC, all these other places, he was an athletic, um, you know, stretch the floor for. You now look at him on the court. He's a slow, moves one mile per hour, five, who's clearly out of shape. And, and 
to me has no business playing on the court. And, and then Mike Muscala, he's to, to your point, probably at best a 12th man on a roster and, and he doesn't make much sense on ours. So um, getting second round picks for guys that really have zero value in this league, just to take a contract. I, I think we should be continuing to try to take contracts like that for picks. I hope that's conti- what we continue to try to do here at this deadline. For example, I think, uh, getting off a guy like Tyus Jones, if we can get more young guys in for him, uh, more picks, that's exactly the route that I'm looking to go on this team. Uh, same, same with Kyle Kuzma. I, I love Kyle Kuzma and we talked a lot about it last spot. If, if we keep him, I'm not upset about it, but I do think now is a good time to, to move off him for, for a deal similarly to this, but with first round talent, he's, he's, he could probably net first round picks as, as opposed to getting second rounders for him. So the more picks we're able to stockpile up, the more happy I am. We're seeing, seeing a team like OKC now starting to reap the benefits of all those picks that they finally have. And they have nothing but picks still left to go. So uh, I anticipate a team like OKC just ascending here in the next few seasons. And I'm hoping Dawkins coming from that background envisions the same exact thing here in Washington, continue to build up assets until it's right to make a trade and, and consolidate those picks. So to me, this is the exact move I'm I'm looking for out of this front office, and it's showing me that they're competent here in year one, where we can look at the record all we want. We knew this was going to be a rough year, but what I'm looking for out of this front office is what are we doing for assets here in the next few seasons? Because I think we're really playing for year three, year four, year five. That's really where uh, this rebuild is, is going to start taking shape, and the fact that we're getting anything for, for guys that really have no NBA talent at this point, that's an A plus trade for me. Yeah, I, I think it's hard to find any any fault in the trade. I, I saw a couple of people kind of zagging and saying that, you know, well, if you're taking on a contract like Bagley, maybe they should have gotten a late first or something like that. And I'm like, look, I think beggars can't be choosers. And I don't think with Bagley only having one more year left on his contract and the contract isn't anything crazy. It's not like he's making like twenty five million dollars a year and it's something that that's really onerous that they're taking on i mean they're, they're taking on 12.5 million which is just isn't basically like the mid-level i mean it's just a normal contract so it's not like they're taking on some crazy albatross that they would that's like hey they gotta get more picks for this so i thought two seconds to take on that contract was like amazing work it's it's right on target with what the value should be um and badly somebody that can actually play so you it, it you know in this rebuild, they need guys that can actually play. I've been saying this a lot since we started this podcast. You got to have guys that can actually play. And Muscala and Gallinari really just couldn't play. Gallo was was fine in spots, but then he has to rest every other game, or you know, because he's old, so you can't play him on back to backs. And and Muscala Muscala would have moments, but he just wasn't. It shouldn't be in a rotation. But Bagley can play, so I think that you know you're happy as long as um. As long as these guys are productive, I think that it's uh, productive in the sense of they're guys that can give you solid minutes. I don't think there's anything wrong with with taking on that contract, especially if you're getting two second round picks. And this is the type of trade that we want to see going forward. I think a guy like Landry Shamit, DeLon Wright, they're going to be up next in terms of these same type of deals where you're trading trading them to some type of team that is either trying to clear, maybe clear some cap space like Detroit. So we take a longer term contract or something like that and, um, or to trade them to a contender for a couple of seconds and, and that type of thing. So it'll be really interesting to see which way it goes 
um, going forward in terms of which which players kind of go. I honestly thought that we were going to be stuck with Gallo and Muscala. So when I saw that they were the two that were going out, I, I really thought, I mean, I tweeted out myself. I said, how does this help the Pistons? Because from everything that we heard reporting wise on their end, at least before this trade, was that the trades that they were making were to help them now. Like they were trying to find a way to be better this season. Not that they were going to compete for anything because their record is terrible. And they only have three wins still at this point. But I think that Troy Weaver is a, a little bit on the hot seat uh, in terms of having to put a, a better product on the floor night tonight. I mean, when you only have three wins this time of year and you have the longest losing streak in NBA history and it's been it's been kind of a mess, for lack of a better phrase, I think it's really uh, imperative for them to put a competent team on the floor. But I don't understand how trading for Gallinari and Muscala helps them. The only thing I could think of in terms of an on-court thing, not a financial thing, but an on-court thing, is that it gives them more spacing, potentially, if they're actually going to play these two. Like, Gallo can space the floor, and that's something they desperately need. But, I mean, man, they're already bad on defense, and Gallo and Muscala are not going to help you in that regard. So it's like a big give and take um, for the Pistons. But... Again, don't really care how it impacts the Pistons because we're Wizards fans, but I, I did I was kind of surprised that that those were the two players that they um were taking back. Like I'm surprised that there wasn't, I mean, maybe they did try and it just didn't work out, but I would have if I was them, I'd have been like, what do we have to do to get Shamit? Or what do we have to do to get someone that can actually be a veteran and sp- and young and space the floor? Like kind of someone that could really help us going forward, not just to players that are expiring and maybe they could get Shaman to help them for this season. And he has a team option over the next two years. So if they wanted to keep him, they could keep him. If they didn't want to, they didn't have to, but nonetheless, good negotiating by uh, our front office to not have to put Shaman in the deal deal. And they could put Shaman in another deal. So I'm happy with that. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on this trade chase before we move on? Yeah. And, and just to add to that Shaman point, it's someone that Monty Williams has actually coached before and seemingly absolutely loved before there in Phoenix. So, uh, yeah, I'm also surprised that he wasn't included in this deal. But, um, yeah, w- would you rather have a if, if you're for, oh, the Wizards, would you rather have a 24 year old former top five pick or a 35 year old who can't move down the floor at all on the last year of his deal? Uh, to me, th- this is pretty, pretty clear cut. I'm I'm ex- absolutely excited about this trade not necessarily because of marvin bagley and and because of isaiah livers but because we're getting draft picks for guys that i i genuinely assumed we were just going to be buying out gallinari and potentially even muscala i guess muscala could have some kind of value still in this league to a team but gallinari i i just think he's cooked he can obviously shoot but that's about it all he can do on the court these days so the fact that we're getting that anything at all for these guys a plus uh, I'm super excited to see what these guys cook up here uh, at the trade deadline because I, I think a lot more is coming. Yeah, one thing I actually wanted to mention uh, now that I'm thinking about it regarding this trade, Chase Hughes, uh, DC reporter, covers the Wizards, does a great job. He had a tweet where he said, Muscala and, Gal- and Gallinari uh, were acquired in the Chris Tapsporzingis trade and now have been traded together to Detroit. The Wizards have essentially received this return for Porzingis. So the return he tweeted was Tyus Jones, Marvin Bagley III, Isaiah Livers, and four second-round picks. And these picks are in 2025, two 2026 picks, and one 2027 pick. And I didn't think about it through that lens until I saw his tweet earlier today. 
And um, so I wanted to just read that. And I was like, hey, like that actually makes that look a lot better to think about. Okay, so, you know, some of these trades aren't always about the assets you get in the moment. It's about how you play the assets forward to turn them into other assets, especially when you're in the Wizards type of situation. Porzingis wasn't expired or not expiring, but he was um, a guy that was going to leave. And they had some leverage in the sense of, hey, we can help you facilitate getting you where you want to go. But they didn't have a ton of leverage in it. Porzingis was kind of doing them a favor, in a sense, by allowing them to get some type of assets back for him. So it was kind of like, you help us, we'll help you. And the Wizards didn't have a ton of leverage in the situation, but they had a little bit. And they were they managed to get Tyus Jones out of it. But I've seen a lot of people online criticizing, like, wow. The Wizards got fleeced for Porzingis. They only got Tyus Jones. And you look at it, you're like, well, they could have just gotten nothing. So they got a solid starting point guard out of it, a guy that is probably better as a backup, if we're being honest. But he's been he's having a career season. Uh, he's a guy that a lot of teams would probably want on the trade market himself. And so in that, if you look at the trade just through that lens, it looks like, oh, okay, the Wizards didn't get that good of a return. But then you look at it now and kind of take a step back. It's like, okay, well, now that trade is jones bagley livers not that bagley and livers are great but now it's those also those other draft picks you were able to get in another trade so if you look at it like that like that's not a bad return for an asset that was going to be walking out your door anyway do you have any thoughts on that yeah and we still haven't even seen the totality of this trade because i do think something is coming with tyus jones i you know with that trade they are able to I don't want to say rehab the value of Tyus Jones because I, I think we kind of know what his value has been, but they're able to take him in on the last year of his deal and probably ship him back out uh, for an asset. So in total, I, I really think if we look back at this trade, we're going to see a lot of draft compensation for a guy who could have just just walked out on his own. So yeah. um, to me, this this has been, you know, I, at the time I was happy with the trade. Obviously, we thought we, we could potentially get more for him. Uh, at the time but you know in the, in the totality of it all we got a lot for Beal <laughs> we, we had judged the Beal trade a little too early as well and they ended up flipping more to Golden State uh, and, and the same thing I think is happening here so in, in total I, I love the offseason that the new Wizards front office had and, and I'm really loving the start to this trade deadline I think in total everything we've seen from the front office and, and there's been a couple things here and there that uh, we haven't all exactly agreed on, but in total, I, I'd say that this front office has had an absolutely successful start to their regime. So um, I, I'd love to see what they continue to do here at this deadline. Absolutely. Uh, another bit of Wizards news is the Wizards uh, released guard Ryan Rollins, or, uh, I believe earlier this week, there was a lot of criticism and stuff like that on social media of the front office in terms of why they cut Ryan Rollins and and all that obviously a, he, a guy that had a lot of talent I believe he's only 20 21 years old uh he came over in that trade um with Golden State and was a guy that a lot of us were excited about and so uh, I know a lot of people couldn't figure out like why would they just cut Ryan Rollins out the blue and then they signed Hamadou Diallo to a 10 day a 10 day so people were like why would they cut cut Rollins to bring in Diallo and uh, that was one of those things, another one of those things where I felt like people just need to wait and not everyone don't have, doesn't always have to have an instant reaction. And 
because that was just something where there's like there has to be more to this story like it doesn't make sense that you traded for this guy it's a it's a young guy that you seemed somewhat invested in and then you would just randomly cut a mid-season to bring in a 10 day like my 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 senses were immediately tingling like like something was going on here that was more to kind of more to the story and so then we find out a few days later reported by the athletic even tmz has reported on this story actually (laughs) that ryan rollins um has actually been charged with seven counts of of larceny for stealing items from target like soap candles groceries um, from an alexandria virginia target and he did it on multiple occasions in the fall so a guy that was set to make 1.7 million this year in NBA money and probably will still make it because his contract was guaranteed. So I'm sure he'll still make his money. But a guy that was making that much money was stealing things that you and I buy from Target on the regular basis. <laughs> this, so. this is a millionaire doing this. Like it's it's stupid enough to steal from anywhere when you're just uh you know making what we make. This is a millionaire who has a guaranteed contract just entering the NBA. So you'd think he has a whole long career ahead of him. This probably puts that in jeopardy. And, and if he's a, a better player, you just wipe this away. If, if he had a more established NBA career, you probably forget this happened and, and, and move on, but he hasn't established himself in the league. So he has no business doing something this dumb. And, and not only was he stealing, which is dumb on its own, but, from Target, like that's probably the worst place you could possibly try to steal from. Their their security cameras are they're they're waiting for you to steal. Like they they try to build up a case on you there at Target. They let they watch you steal one, two, three things. And they're like, okay, we're starting to build up a case here. Once you start hitting six, seven, they're hit they're hitting you with it. Um, so Ryan Rollins, real dumb move. I, I was truthfully on Twitter. Uh, one of the first complaints I've had about the winger Dawkins regime was this move. And obviously more information came out, which made it make more sense. But at, you know, at the time I was frustrated as much of the, this fan base was, what are we doing? Cutting a young talent that actually showed a little bit, I thought on the court this season. Uh, so it's real, real unfortunate from that perspective, the wizards actually had somewhat of a young talent. We, we talk at nauseum about how we need more talent that's young playing on the court. And and to me with Tyus Jones possibly going out, Delon Wright possibly going out, it was a prime position for him to make a name for himself in the league. And he, he fumbled it. It's just a, a sad situation for a young player. And I, I hope this isn't the end for him. It's, it's clearly going to be the end for him here in DC. Hopefully he can pick it up somewhere else, but stealing from target, man. Like I, I have no sympathy for you. That's uh, <laughs> you need shampoo that bad. I, I read it was body wash things like that. You, you can't pay $3 at target for a, a bottle of body wash. Like, come on, man. I think that's what makes it worse is that it's, it's like small things that don't even amount to anything. Right. So you could wrap your head around someone stealing something expensive because it's something that's not that affordable. So you're feel like, I'm not saying that I agree with it, but I could understand how someone might get there. You know, someone with a different character than me, but someone that would, you know, decide to do that. But when you're stealing things that are like petty things to steal or very affordable things to me, you're just doing it for the thrill of doing it. You're not doing it because you need it. Right. Right. Or you feel like you need it or it's or it's something that's like 
an Apple watch where it's like, okay, I don't want to pay $400 for this. So I'm going to, I'm going to put it in my, my bag or something. Okay. Like that might actually, I could wrap my head around it, but if you're stealing a $599 body wash or whatever, like that makes no sense. So to me, if I was the wizard's front office, I would just think, okay, this guy clearly has some type of problem with stealing because if he did this multiple times and none of it is, is, <laughs> is anything that's, really worth stealing you're just doing it for the thrill of doing it at that point and at that point i gotta question your judgment and i mean you know you question anyone's judgment that steals but you get my point like you're really gonna risk your career to steal soap from target you know <laughs> if that's where we're at you know you're on a team where you could actually potentially play and showcase your skills that you might not get this opportunity on a lot of nba teams and if you take advantage of this opportunity maybe you could you know get your career off the ground um, it's a lot for a young player to risk, especially one that's not a first round pick because the team doesn't have any real investment in you as a second round pick or, you know, someone they acquired in a trade, one mistake and you could be out the door. So I really feel for him in that regard, because I think people, I think especially young men, we can kind of be dumb when we're in our early twenties. I'm not going to lie. Like we, we make bad, sometimes can make bad decisions. I've been a 20 year old, not that I was stealing from target, but I look back and I'm like, hey, you know, I don't know why I did that when I was 20. Like, I get that. <laughs> but, you know, this is just kind of beyond stupid. So I, I feel for him. I hope that maybe he can get a second chance elsewhere. It sucks from the regard of like, you know, as a fan, someone that you thought could be a player in the front. You know, some it sucks from the front office perspective because it's a guy that you probably traded for hoping, hoping that you could make him into something or help him mold, mold him into something. So it sucks from that regard. But more than anything, I don't think this is a a huge deal in terms of how it affects the wizards. I think more likely than not Rollins probably wasn't going to be all that good, but it, uh, you know, it, it sucks to kind of just let a young talent go just for being stupid, <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. It's, uh, it, it's really unfortunate. Cause I, I did like what we saw from him towards the end of the summer league. First off a uh, young player. He, he was really our young point guard prospect Cause we, we don't really have another young I'd say young guard prospect. We don't really have too many other young guards aside of Jordan Poole. If you consider him young, if you consider Bilal a, a guard, I don't, I don't know what we consider Bilal at this point, but to me, he was our young guard that we had on our roster that we were potentially going to be able to see what he could do here in these last 40 games. Cause as I just mentioned, I think Delon Wright's probably on his way out. I, I think Tyus Jones is definitely on his way out. That leaves a big hole therefore a young guard to to see what he can do towards the end of the year and it, it was a prime position for him to seize the moment seize his opportunity in the league and and not only create a role for himself but maybe create a long-term home for himself and and here he is now stealing from target and, and that's all gone he's gonna have to build his way back up i i would assume someone's gonna take a g league flyer on him because i do think um in, in the g league time he's spent he's he's looked real good there i'm sure somebody will will give him a chance there but his, his NBA dreams for right now are, are gone and all for, for some body wash. It's like, Hey buddy, I'll, I'll send you a, a bottle of body wash if that's what it takes, man. I, I promise you, you don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chase enough about Ryan Rollins and his stealing habits. Let's talk a little bit about some positive stuff. The wizards were able to get a pretty impressive win over the Hawks in their last game. Uh, we're recording this podcast right the Sunday night before MLK Day, where they play, ironically, the Pistons. So their last win 
her last game is a win against the Hawks. They won 127 to 99 and they pretty much were on the Hawks from the jump of the game too. Like, I mean, the Hawks are kind of in disarray uh, in terms of they have a couple guys out. And aside from that, they just have been playing bad despite having like pretty decent talent on the roster. I mean, they have Trey Young, DeJounte Murray and Jalen Johnson has been playing well and they still lost by almost 30 points to the Wizards. So that kind of tells you where the Hawks are at. But in terms of the Wizards, Kyle Kuzma played really well, had 29 points. Uh, but Denny Abdi, I felt like, was the was the big highlight for the Wizards. Had 19 points, 14 rebounds, 9 assists, and a block. I don't know why Coach Unsell took him out and didn't let him get that last assist. But, hey, I, I bet he was kind of blown about not getting that triple-double. But... I was really impressed with the performance. I kind of felt like that was more of the team that I thought we would see in terms of the competitiveness where they really came out and they played with a lot of purpose and a lot of effort on both sides of the ball. Uh, I do think it's kind of a, it's not just the Wizards effort. I think the Hawks just didn't really have much oomph to them in that game. But what were your impressions of the game and where the Wizards kind of at right now? Yeah, I, I was, I'm with you on Denny. I loved the performance he, he, gave us against Atlanta and he's been able to show this on multiple occasions that he has more to his game than just defense. He's, he's able to facilitate, he's able to move the ball in transition. And and I really do love the long-term prospect that Denny provides us. Uh, I've mentioned multiple times here on this podcast, I think Bilal and Denny are the two guys that we should really be focusing on this season. And, and for that reason, they're um, providing it in all aspects. He's been one of our better rebounders all year, all, you know, all the last couple seasons actually. And some of that is because of how bare our five position has been, but um, we're able to see on nights like Atlanta, he can provide in that uh, aspect and get you over 10 rebounds. So I I love the performance Denny gave us. I, I really have actually enjoyed it. And I want to give credit to Jordan pool here. I've, I've enjoyed the last couple of weeks of Jordan pool. He's, He's picked it up, and and it's not necessarily to the level we thought we might be getting. We we discussed on the podcast, or at least I did. I, I said he might be a top scorer in the league this season, um, and, and he has not been that. But he's been efficient here in the last few games, and that's really all all you can ask for, I think, from him uh, for the rest of the season is give us efficient basketball, or or as efficiently as Jordan Poole can can give us. Uh, we know the the kind of volume player he he has been in his career, and we know there's going to be nights where he's awful, and we know there's going to be nights that he's great. But if we can get more consistency like we've seen out of the last couple weeks, this is the Jordan Poole that I'm looking for. So uh, I'll give him credit there. It's been It was a real rough start to the year and, and mid to the year, um, but he's picked it up here in the last couple of weeks. So I hope we can continue to see this pool that we got in Atlanta in the last few games prior to that. Um, we know he can score, but if he can, you know, minimize those turnovers, pick it up a little bit on the defensive end, he'll never be a good defender. I think we know that, but if he can at least be competent defender on certain nights, I think uh, we're, we're getting the pool that we hope we can see here uh, these last couple of weeks. So overall, love what I've seen from Denny. We all know how I feel about Bilal. I, I can't wait to see him hopefully here in the last second half of the season, hopefully in a starting role. We'll see what happens with Kyle Kuzma at the deadline. I think trading him would open the door for Bilal to get more starts or at least get more minutes, especially you know at the end of games. That's where I want to see Bilal. But um, as far as, as where this franchise is going, we got off two really bad players here today. 
and we're, we're getting some younger guys in the building and, and some picks. So overall, we, we obviously know what the record is this season. It's not good. And, and we knew it wasn't going to be good. So what I'm looking for now is playing the young guys. Wes Unseld, can you coach the way you did against Atlanta more? Because if, if you can coach that way, we'll, we, we don't have to dump you. Um, <laughs> he's been one of the worst coaches in the league all season. So if he can coach a little better the way he did against Atlanta, I'll, I'll be happy with, with what he's showing us this season. But overall we knew we were going to be bad. We're bad, but there's been a a couple things to, to definitely be happy about the last few weeks. Yeah. I think the main thing to be happy about is the, the progress that Denny is making. He's really played well over the past, like six to eight games. I feel like he's really stepped it up. And he really has that skill set where he can impact the game in multiple ways, especially when his shot is falling. Uh, that that shot really just makes such a, such a difference for him. If he can make 35% of his threes, he doesn't even have to be knocked down. But if he could just make 35% of them and, and keep the defense a little bit more honest, that really makes a difference. Um, what I've noticed about him that – I haven't noticed in previous years is his strength. Like there was a drive where they put, when they played the thunder where not that Chet Holmgren is like the, the biggest in terms of girth, but he's, he's tall and long, but he's an intimidating shot blocker. He's one of the best shot blockers in the NBA as a rookie. He honestly might be the best, the best. I mean, he's, he's done it. I mean, him and like Walker Kessler are probably like up there, but, uh, on a drive right i think it was early in the game too denny drove really hard and kind of like bumped him out the way and finished strong at the rim and it uh, like it i don't react so much these days I, i'm just kind of more of like a relaxed viewer of games these days i used to be like the type that stood up and like was right in front of the tv for wizards games but now that i'm older i'm much more relaxed but that made me stand up and i was like okay denny like <laughs> i haven't seen that from you as much as i wish i I could like I feel like he used to like finish soft at the rim a lot his first few years and I've just been seeing him going hard at the rim and in like eating the contact and finishing and you do wish sometimes he would just dunk it it's like dude you're six eight like just dunk it man but like that playing with that oomph is like what I want to see from Denny you're not gonna be a star or a knockdown shooter like that's not your skill set but what you can do is grab and go and get downhill and transition and finish at the rim. You're like his skill set is a connector piece that does a bunch of different things. Play good defense. You can pass the ball. You can rebound the ball well when you're really committed to it. As we saw, he had 14 rebounds. And you can get all, like most of your buckets in transition or just in the flow of the offense and still get like 14 to 17 points. So I really like what I'm seeing from Denny in terms of growth and Again, I don't think that his upside is maybe as high as all of us Wizards fans wish it was, right? Because we wish he could be a star because he was one of our, you know, our, our draft picks, top 10 pick. But I see a guy that could definitely be a part of the next good, if he continues on this trajectory, could be a, a part of the next good Wizards team. It's just he has to keep getting that shot better. If he could just consistently be like 35, like 38%, I really think that that would just keep defenses a little more honest. And obviously his left hand, if he could get that a little bit better, that'd be awesome too, because teams are kind of sitting on that right hand a lot now. But I really like what I've seen from him um, in terms of his development. Uh, Something I noticed in terms of the rotation was Patrick Baldwin actually got early minutes last game, which caught me way off guard because he hadn't even been playing. 
Um, I don't think the minutes were great. I think he was okay. He had, uh, let's see, eight points and nine rebounds. Okay, I don't even remember him having nine rebounds, but that's what the, 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 the stat sheet says here on ESPN. So I didn't think he he looked great, but I think, I think that it's great that he's getting a shot. And I think it's hard to look great when you haven't really had that many NBA minutes. So I hope what we see here is they give him 15 to 20 minutes a night for the foreseeable future because – why not just see if he can actually play? And uh, I, I'm not going to judge him off the first couple games because the NBA uh, players will tell you it's a lot about rhythm and catching a rhythm and catching like uh, a flow with your teammates and being able to actually play consistent minutes. So I, I think it would be great for him to play 15 to 20 minutes consistently and we could get a, a larger sample size to du- judge him off of. But I thought it was encouraging that he didn't look terrible. I thought he looked okay. And um, I, I hope to see him continue to play. One thing I want to touch on in terms of things I don't like, is I don't like the fact that Kispert doesn't consistently play at least 25 minutes a night. I don't think Kispert's been great this season. I think that he's a guy, as I mentioned a bunch of times, he looked better on a different team. I just don't think that his skill set looks as good on a bad team. I think if he was on a on a better team and he was literally just like, hey, this is the guy that spaces the floor around our two stars, I think he'd look a lot better in that type of role. If you see guy, a guy like Grayson Allen and how good he's looked at times this year for Phoenix. And the reason why is if you watch the games, he is wide open all the time. Like he's just open because he's playing off of Booker and Durant and Beal when he's healthy. And he's, I mean, what are you supposed to do? You got to leave somebody, you know, you got to double team sometimes or things like that. And Grayson Allen's just open. So he's been having big games. And I do think Grayson Allen's like slightly better than Corey Kispert, to be honest, but He's basically just a shooter. I mean, that's what his role is. And Kispert, I just think, is not getting enough minutes here in D.C. And even if he's not long for the Wizards, right? Like, maybe he's not in the the front office's plans. I just don't understand why he's not playing more. Like, he's a young guy. He's a recent, uh, you know, top 20 pick. I think he was, like, pick 15th in the, in the draft he was taken. So this is a year where you got to start understanding what you have whether he's an asset that you need to quote unquote showcase going forward for other teams to want to trade for or whether he's someone that's long for the wizards i just want to see him play and i just don't understand why he's not playing at least 25 minutes last game he played 18 minutes he was three of five from three four of eight from the field and had 11 points and was plus eight so he wasn't killing you out there it wasn't hurting you. Why? I just, do, do you feel where I'm coming from? Like, don't you think Kispert should play more consistently? I do. Um, and, and I'll I'll actually call me crazy. I'm actually going to give West Sunset Jr. slight credit for the first time in a long time. <laughs> uh, playing Patrick Baldwin Jr. early on, he actually changed a lineup for, for once. He's continued to trot out the same exact starting lineup. Uh, the same exact rotation just about every single game. And we've seen the results for it. He hasn't even attempted to coach this team. So the fact that he threw out Baldwin Jr. early on, kudos to you for finally switching something up, even though he didn't look you know, crazy good uh, in, in his minutes. Uh, just changing it up at all is, is a bonus. But to your point about Kispert, he's been playing really well here the last couple weeks, and you reward him by throwing him out there for 18 minutes. I, I don't understand. He's kind of been a – uh, a sniper here the last couple of weeks and we know what he can do from three point. We know how the NBA is transitioning 
towards three-point shooting. It has been for the last five, ten years now. Uh, and he's one of our elite three-point shooters. Um, so uh, clearly it's it's also a defensive issue with with him, Poole, and Tyus all being on the floor at the same time. It's it's tough. So to, to, to Wes Unsell Jr.'s credit, having to navigate three of the worst perimeter defenders, uh, I, I guess that would be difficult to get minutes for all of these guys. But, yeah, I do think he's one of the guys that you drafted here in Washington as a – as a piece, he was the first guy out of the lottery picked in his draft. So clearly he, you gave a you know big resources put into him. Um, the guy who drafted him is no longer here. So I, I completely understand if they don't see him as a long-term piece here, but as far as what we have on the court right now, yeah, I, I think he should be getting 25 minutes a night. Uh, he is still one of our young guys, whether we like it or not, we don't have too many young guys on the roster. He's one of our youngest guys. So let's see what he can do moving forward. We, we saw towards the end of last season, he had more than just shooting in his bag. Once he actually had a little bit of that um, ball, you know, the ball in his hands a little bit more, we saw he could actually do a little bit uh, consistently with scoring over 20 points a game towards the end of the season. So I think there is more to Kispert's game than we're allowing him to show. And, and, and we do have to figure out what Jordan Poole can do long-term. I understand that we have Kyle Kuzma taking a ton of shots, maybe, trading him out and, and if Kispert's still around we'll see a, a, an increased role for him but yeah uh, Wes Unsell Jr. does does need to do a better job of of giving him a consistent role at least um, not putting him out there 18 minutes one night 32 minutes the next night 17 minutes the next night let's let's have a little bit consistency with what we're doing uh, besides actually throwing out the same exact lineups every game. I, I do want to see a little bit less consistency from that standpoint. But but minutes-wise, the guys that I, that we think are building blocks for this roster, they need to be getting as many minutes as possible. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like Bilal has been – his minutes have been kind of consistently rising, so I have no gripes with, with that. And he's kind of cooled off. I feel like he hit a little bit of a stretch where he was in a groove and he was playing really well, and I think – we're seeing more of the rookie lumps lately where he's he has like, you know, a couple moments here and there, but the flashes haven't been as flashy as they were a couple weeks ago. But that's just the ebb and flow of, of a rookie season. Um, I still would like to see them let him do a little bit more. Uh, speaking of rookies, this is a, a side that I guess has nothing to do with the Wizards, but man, the Rockets are finally playing Cam Whitmore. And oh, man, I'm not going to lie. There's a part of me that's like, man, <laughs> I can kind of wish that he was a wizard because, man, that kid is athletic and he just goes out there and with the, the, the blankest face goes out there and gets buckets. And um, I've had fun just kind of watching him. He was doing really well in the G League and then he's come up to the big squad and gotten minutes because they've been without like Dylan Brooks and. Uh, I feel like they had some other injury too. That's kind of opened up some minutes for him. And he, he had a 22 point game, I believe um, the other day. And not that look, I mean, NBA players can score 22 points. So I'm not saying that that's some end all be all. He scored 22 points, but he's just a lot of fun, man. Like he, he's so athletic. He can really score. I don't know about the other parts of his game and how well, you know, he translates overall, but it's very tantalizing to think about what he could have been as a wizard. I'm very excited for Bilal. And I, I think Bilal is a, a great prospect. I'm really happy to have him, but man, there's a part. Cam Whitmore was the guy I wanted them to take at that point. So I was, 
oh man, I'm just, I'm just kind of like when I, when I see <laughs> highlights or something, I think to myself, oh man, like <laughs> he would have been excited, man. Yeah, he's he's also, I believe, 19 years of age, and and you see each and every time he gets minutes, he's getting out there and he's getting buckets already at 19 years of age. He's an NBA scorer right now. Yeah. Uh, and and I'll I'll plug my own dynasty basketball team. I have him on my dynasty basketball team, and I am <laughs> excited. I I do have a little bit of investment in him, luckily. <laughs> right. So uh, fantasy so still, will do that to you, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I I still have investment in Cam Whitmore, luckily, whether whether he's on the Wizards or not. But um, yeah, I I do. Uh, I guess we'll always compare Bolau to someone like that because he was the the consensus guy still there on the board at least pre draft. That was. A guy that a lot of us did want. Um, I, I'm more than happy with Bilal. I, I would say if we're taking what we've seen so far from each of them, I, I do think uh, Bilal's star potential, both offensively and defensively, is there. So I'm not uh, regretting the pick by any means, but it, it is fun to see him there playing actual minutes in, in Houston. I wish uh, we could somehow finagle a trade to to get him some minutes here because I would I would think he would – absolutely get a ton of minutes here in Washington. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he'd be he'd be a lot of fun. You know, but Bilal's a bit more raw from a scoring you know standpoint than Cam Whitmore is. Uh Cam Whitmore's not the defender that Bilal is, so obviously there's like give and take, right? But Cam Whitmore's just a rookie that like fans can easily get behind, right? Cuz everyone knows what scoring is. It's easy to digest scoring and, and dunking and things like that. So he's had a couple dunks and and he's scoring the ball. Uh, the team that probably is kicking themselves the most, and look, I don't know how uh, Jalen Hood Shafino is going to turn out. So for all I know, he could be really good down the road. But I know Laker fans, because I have a bunch in my life, are like, why did we not just take Cam Whitmore? Like he was falling down the draft where he fell to us. We could have potentially gotten a top five talent level prospect. And they took Hood Shafino, who just like has not looked good at all so far for the Lakers. And again, he could very well turn out to be the better player of the two. I am not saying that he is a worse player than Cam Whitmore. But what I am saying is, as of right now, halfway through their rookie seasons, Whitmore looks like a better prospect than Hood Shafino. And he was kind of regarded as a better prospect going into the draft than Hood Shafino. And I know a lot of Laker fans who are like, look, like, Hood Shafino looks like he can play on some level and they were somewhat excited about him, but like, he's not Cam Whitmore. So why did we not just take Cam Whitmore, you know, but I guess time will tell, right. You just never know with these rookies, how they'll, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of rookies that struggle their rookie year and then end up balling out and having great careers. And there's guys that are really good their rookie year. And then their career kind of falters a la like M- Michael Carter Williams is rookie of the year. Like, I mean, he looked great his first year for Philly and they knew that they had fool's gold, I guess. And they traded him and his career never really, you know, never really went anywhere. So I guess, uh, you know, went anywhere. He had a a long career. I guess he was in the league for almost a decade, but it never, he never became a star or the high level player that, that some people thought he could be based on his rookie season. So you just never know where it's going to go. But in terms of the Wizards, I just want to see the young guys. You know, like you say, get more minutes. I I, I am happy that Bilal is kind of consistently around that like 25 to 30 area at least. Um, I believe he played 20 minutes in the Atlanta game. So it's just good to kind of see the the consistency with him. I just want them to play Kispert more. I don't know how he's playing only 15 minutes. Like we don't have enough good players on the roster for the for the young 
for our young talented shooter to not play at least 20 25 minutes like i don't i don't understand he should to me he should never be under 20 minutes if he's under 20 minutes unless it's like foul trouble he should never be under 20 minutes so i hope to see more consistency with that the wizards play uh detroit tomorrow which is interesting uh looks like bagley and livers won't be active for that game because they still need to take their physicals obviously get to town and things like that uh do you have any thoughts on that game it'll be interesting to kind of see how these two these two teams are at the bottom of the league stack up uh kate is going to be out because he's he's been dealing with like a knee strain or something of that nature but Jaden ivy has looked good since he's kind of been running the show uh, for Detroit with Cade out, his numbers have obviously been up without, you know, Cade there to kind of handle the ball as much. Do you have any thoughts, things you're looking out for in this game, Chase? Yeah, I think it's funny enough that this has become a part-time Pistons pod here the last, you know, three or so podcasts. We've actually touched on them quite a bit now. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and we're immediately going to be able to see what we had that discussion about the young prospects in Detroit and in Washington. We'll, we'll actually get a pretty good look here at uh, some comparisons between all these guys. We've seen Jaden Ivey, of course. He's taken off since I ranked him last in the... Uh... <laughs> I was thinking that. That's, it's so funny how that works. It's like you rank him yeah. last, and all of a sudden he looks looks amazing. <laughs> Immediately, he's probably the best of, of the bunch now. And yeah, that's... You know, my, my takes become cold very quickly. That's something about me that uh, that I definitely definitely do. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to see these guys. Azor Thompson, as, as I was propping him up, he's been stinking it up late, lately the last few weeks as well. Um, so I, I'm excited to see a Bilal versus Azor, whether they're matched up against each other often, I don't know. But um, I'm excited to see these guys battle it out um, because I, I think their two guys will be compared quite a bit as well throughout their careers. Uh, the, the Thompson twins and Bilal, if he's what we think he can become defensively, those three are defensively are all such incredible players. I'm excited to uh, kind of compare what these guys can do tomorrow. Yeah, I, it's kind of interesting the like on the the heels of that discussion about the prospects that we had. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they all play. Duran's been playing really well. I, you know, I almost wonder not to to continue to just talk about the Pistons, but since Livers is on our team now, I feel like I can kind of talk about this. But it'll be interesting to see if part of the motivation from the front office, aside from the financial motivation in terms of on, on court was to get livers out of there, to give Monty less reason to not play Asar Thompson. Cause I'm telling you, he was playing livers 20 to 25 minutes a game. And Asar was playing like under 15 minutes. And again, Pistons read it. These Pistons fans were mad about it because they're like Asar Thompson looked amazing for like the first 10 to 15 games of the season. And then all of a sudden y'all took him out the lineup and he's only playing like 10 minutes a game. Like what's, what's going on? I understood what, why Monty did it originally. Cause if you watch the games, I mean, Asar with Stewart and Dern, there was just no space. Like they're like playing those guys together with, there was just no space on the floor. So I understood taking Asar off. And Livers, in theory, was spacing the floor. But if he's only shooting 28%, I mean, how much worse is Asar? Like, I mean, I'm sure he's worse percentage-wise. But I'm saying, how mu- if he if Livers isn't even making the shots, then how much worse is playing your, you know, top, you know, top five pick or, you know, what? I think he was pick fifth. Your top five pick, right? Like, that doesn't make sense. So I wonder if part of the motivation for the Pistons, in addition to the financial thing, was to also 
take the the livers option away from Monty Williams. Be like, look, man, you're gonna play Asar Thompson some minutes here uh, more consistently. I mean, it, earlier in the season, they weren't even playing Jaden Ivy. They were playing him off the bench, and they had Killian Hayes starting, and Ivy was playing. Like some nights he played 20 minutes, some nights he played seven minutes. It was the weirdest thing. And now he's playing, and he looks like you know the guy he looked like he was last year. So. That part is interesting from a Pistons standpoint, uh, just to see kind of like how that opens the floor up for an Asar Thompson. I really do hope that we get to see a lot of Asar and a lot of Bilal tomorrow because Asar was the guy I wanted the Wizards to draft like more than like if I could have my, my absolute top pick in the draft that was realistic. It was Asar and then it was Cam Whitmore for me. And then I guess it was probably like Bilal. Um, so you know, but he got picked before, so he wasn't available, but that'll be interesting to just kind of see, Hey, where do these two stack up with each other? Because their deficiencies are somewhat similar. Like they're both good on defense, but they both like, they're not great offensive players at the moment. Uh, Bilal's a better shooter at the moment, but I think that his shot has a lot of room for improvement as well. So it'll be interesting to see how just kind of how all these young guys look on the floor in two bad defensive teams. So I expect to see, either lots of bricks or lots of points. Which one do you think we're going to see lots of bricks or lots of points? <laughs> uh, <oof. laughs> it could go really either way with <laughs> these two teams. I'm, I'm going to guess a whole lot of bricks, but that's uh, not because of the defense being played. It's because they're missing probably wide open shots. Exactly. I'm with you on that. I, I think we'll see. I think we're gonna see lots of bricks, but I'm hoping that it'll be just kind of fun to see the young prospects, you know, out there on both sides, you know, on both sides. So that'll be interesting. Um, but Chase, do you have any parting shots for us before we close out? No, I mean, other than I'm excited about this trade we made and I'm I'm excited about this front office and their direction just just being able to make moves like this is something to be excited about with not only the the new president, the new GM, just the the organization in general seems to be headed in the right direction. And, and obviously we see the record and the casual fan won't enjoy the record that they see and, and probably won't be watching many games. But in, in total, this is the direction that that we needed to be heading for a while. So. Um, very excited about this trade deadline and, and what's to come from it because I do think uh, we're we're probably going to be hopping on a couple more pods talking trades here uh, in the next couple of weeks. So uh, I, I'm excited to see see what happens here. Both uh, tomorrow, young prospects versus young prospects, and uh, and the next couple of weeks with the deadline. So it should be a, a real fun period here as Wizards fans and and as a podcast host. So uh, excited about what we have coming here. Yeah, quick to close out, the Wizards have a bunch of home games coming up, coming up actually with, it looks like, six of their next seven or five of their next six, excuse me, are at are at home. So they're, they have a home game against Detroit tomorrow, Thursday. They're at the Knicks, but then their next four games are um, home games. So they play San Antonio on Saturday, Denver on Sunday, and a back-to-back next Wednesday, Minnesota, and then Utah. Uh, so maybe they can get a couple of wins in some of these home games. I mean, I think in theory, San Antonio and Utah should be winnable games. I don't think the rest of them, they're not going to beat Minnesota. They're not going to beat Denver and they're not going to beat New York, but Detroit, San Antonio, and Utah are winnable games. So, and they're all home. So with that said, they'll probably lose them, but <laughs> 
I, I do think they're winnable games and not that any of us super care about wins and losses at this point this season, but it does feel good to get wins here and there in a rebuild. Like you don't want to lose every game. Like, oh, otherwise you're like pulling your hair out like Pistons fans are. So <laughs> I, that, that was probably an unnecessary shot at Pistons fans. I shouldn't have said that, but uh, nonetheless, it'll be interesting to see if the Wizards can get a couple wins here with, with a bunch of home games, uh, at least play more competitive. Um, that's what I hope to see, but uh, we'll just have to see chase. Um, but it looks like that's it. I mean, we nice trade cut Ryan Rollins. We'll just have to see where it goes from here with, with the trades and everything coming up chase. Yes, sir, man. Exciting time period to be a wizards fan, despite the record. Let's uh, let's toss the record out for the rest of the year. We don't care about it. Let's see what the young guys can do and what we can do at this trade deadline. 